Hello, everyone, and welcome to Man Up, the men's mental health podcast. We are back. We're on a roll. This is our third podcast in three weeks, which probably outstrips the number that we did in the last six months, which is amazing. Uh, my name is Andy Richardson, and sitting over the Baltic Sea in Estonia is the astounding Tommy Dankwa. How are you, I sir? I'm here, and I'm feeling a lot better. I'm, in, I'm feeling instantly better than I was earlier on this week. I was just saying off air that it's been a bit of a, a, a roller coaster of a week this week. The um, the emotions have been sort of uh, coming out. I think post baby. Um, dealing with a bit of the anxiety there's a lot of you know there's a it's been yeah it's been challenging it's been challenging but we've had a bit of a chat off air haven't we we spoke before and um, we also spoke before our guest joined us and it's just nice to air these things out so we definitely need to get into this fully um any parents out there i think you know any new parents out there i think you will know what i'm talking about when i say that you know your mind goes into overdrive once you know a new baby arrives overthinking and all sorts but you know i know i was just saying i'm i'm so much more better equipped this time around third baby in i'm a veteran at the game and i'll be digging mm -hmm. into the toolbox and making sure that i'm doing everything everything possible to you know arrest this sort of slide that i was going on so yeah yeah been an emotional one andy but i'm here it's really good to be doing a third one in three weeks. Like you said, we did have a nice break, but we, we are well and truly back on the grind, aren't we? We are. We are back to it. And um, yeah, sorry to hear you've not been feeling great, but also good to hear that you, um, you know, you're very much aware of it. And I think that's a very important thing. Like for me with like anxiety is spotting it straight away, spotting the physical signs, mm you know, and nipping things in the bud because it's when things get out of control that it sort of goes badly. But, what, you know, that's the benefit of um, sort of, you know, of having such a thing for so many years and trying so many things out. You know, you be, you become a sort of veteran and, and um, you, you know, you can deal with it a lot better. Yeah, it's true. Um, and it's funny, it goes back to the sort of the, the age-old one that we preach, preach, preach here, just talking about it because... I've been waking up and, you know, it's worse in the morning when I wake up and, you know, I'm getting the kids ready for school and I've got the heart palpitations and, you know, when you can't think clearly, have I done this right? Is this correct? And you second guess everything. So all of that. But the other day, um, I just spoke to my wife and I, you know, she, she can tell now she's been with me for like over a decade. So she knows when I'm <laughs> spiraling she can see it and sometimes you know i might not have spoken about it to her straight away but she'll ask me like you know how are you doing and i know it's not like a you know how are you baby it's like a how are you doing like you need to talk yeah. i can see it you need to get this off your chest let's go and we just have these honest chats and it's so nice not to feel like we've created a safe space i don't feel that mm. i'm less of a man for saying actually I don't feel great or I'm feeling a bit wobbly and also not actually having a full not having like you know the answer why and I'm sort of you know working through this why am I feeling like this obviously the baby's a big one that's you know a huge sort of mm. thing for anybody 
but there's so many other sort of factors that are going on at the moment. You know, obviously I live in the Baltics. We're right next door to Russia. And, you know, obviously there's conflict going on. All these sort of blokes in Estonia now have been put on standby for military, you know, was it conscripts or whatever? So they've all been put on standby. You know, they've done evacuation hospitals and stuff like that. So, you know, there's a, that sort of hanging over our heads and there's a real sort of like, how do you describe it? Like there's a real, an angry energy from the Estonian people. I can really feel it, you know, towards the Russian people. So, you know, that's all up in there. So mm. I think I'm feeding me off that a bit. Then obviously, you know, I don't know, do we mention it on air? But, we, you know, I'm going through a lot of health stuff at the moment. I've had a few aches and pains and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm going to mm. go through, I'm in the process of, you know, going through a vasectomy, which again is another massive change. And I don't know if mm. I've been acknowledging it properly, but I had an appointment stay at the doctor's and, the you know the surgery that I'm going to have is not a reversible one, so you know I was all cool like you know oh. having this vasectomy, bang bang bang, and um, but in my head it was always reversible, you know they are, but here they don't do them reversible. It's once you're done, you're done, and I said wow. that, and it sort of like took me back a bit, and all of a sudden I was like ah, oh. so that sort of so what do, what do they do there? They 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 chop your balls off? Yeah yeah, there, but you get to it. keep it on a key ring, which is nice. So. <laughs> I'm going to send you one as well, so you can have one. I'll have matching his and his. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you, know, oh, but, you know, I'm laughing now, but obviously it, it hasn't changed my decision. I want to do this because I don't want any more kids, man. Kids, fucking, they're hard work. And they, and they, send, me on, they send me on mental health spirals, you know what I mean? I don't want any more of that shit. Mm. So um, it hasn't changed, but that sort of, um, that this is it, that's final. It kind of that's more stuff that I'm going to have to unpack over the coming like months, you know. And it's really cool because mm. I came home and I said it to my wife, and again, it's a safe space I can sort of talk about that and be honest and like, right. So this is another life changing thing. So there's loads going on, but we do need to do a, a, a catch up podcast or a dad podcast or a health podcast, you know, something to do with all of these things because I feel like we should talk about this for sure it's definitely going to be something that I need to get off my chest and unpack and maybe speak to somebody who's been through it and you know mm. give the listeners something else but that is enough about me mate that is enough about me I'm really hoping <laughs> no that's, that's very interesting I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll, now I get the feeling that you've got you've got a lot on your mind and a lot to say you know not that you don't normally have quite a lot to say but um We'll do that. We'll make that happen. We'll do it. We'll do a um, a uh, a dad's uh, podcast again, like a second yeah. one or something, or you know, maybe post a post COVID dad one or something. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Or dads that had their yeah. Yeah. balls nipped. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, just from an outside point of view, you know, having a small being that's you know very sort of fragile and vulnerable that's keeping you awake all night just that in itself is like yeah. that would send me over the edge if i'm honest you know let alone all the other stuff that's going on so it you know totally understandable that you're going through stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah. you know yeah, yeah. it's just um, nice to sort of just say it's out loud and you just yeah. you, you can make so much more sense of it you're like okay right well that's why that's what that's happened and then all of a sudden it becomes like oh, well, you know, that's all right that you're feeling like this then, mate, because that's, you know, that's some real stuff. It's not just, you know, 
that head stuff where I'm overthinking and overanalyzing. It's like, oh, actually, this is genuine stuff that, you know, is something that can cause a bit of concern. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. Well, well, well. Tell me you're doing great, Andy. Now. <laughs> No, I'm, do, I'm doing all right. Do you know what? I, I, um, I just had a revelation and it's probably been said loads of times and I'm probably not original in saying this, but I had a thought the other day because someone offered me, I mean, I've had a really, really busy week, like absolutely mad week working and working into the evening and stuff. Someone offered me some work on Sunday and, um, and I'm, I was free Sunday, but I just thought, do you know what? I can't be bothered. Well, you know, well, not I can't be bothered. It's just I wanted a day to myself. Nice. So, so I just made that my excuse and I just said no. And I just thought, you know, uh, you know, the power of now book. I just thought, ah, oh, you know, what about the power of no? And it is a very powerful word to say, isn't it? Like it's it's empowering if if you can just say, you know, and if the reasons are good, not not because you can't be bothered or you know, but if the reasons are. No, I want to do something for myself for a change. Yeah. You know, it's a really good thing to say. Do you know it? what? I love that you said that because this is something that I've been speaking about with my kids. And actually, I said to them, I mean, it kind of backfired and bit me in the ass. But I said to them, <laughs> no is a full sentence. You know, we say no means no, but actually no is a full sentence. And if you don't want to do something, you can just say no. And that's yeah. it. You don't always have to give an explanation. And exactly what you said about taking the power back. <laughs> but like I said, it bit me in the backside because I was trying to wake my kids up the other day for school. Get out of bed. Like, no, get out of bed. And my youngest went, Daddy, no means no. <laughs> I was like, you little sugar honey iced tea. That was brilliant. No means no. <laughs> right, oh, wait, no school for you. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Right. Now, this week is a really really special week and we've got a, a fantastic guest this week which is um it's really exciting so i'm not going to keep time is precious for him and i'm not going to keep him waiting for us um any longer um the good thing the thing about this guest is um both me myself and you tommy we've both done uh mental health first aid courses in our time we have we? and we've so, loved them haven't we they've been really good and we been really good so so you know we do have some uh first-hand expertise of um the subject that we're about to talk about because our guest is the mental health first aid england chief exec simon bloke uh, simon bloke <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what i always get these introductions wrong but i was doing really well until i got to his oh name. you're on you're Sorry. on for a perfect 10 before you called him bloke <laughs> <laughs> it's that bloke simon <laughs> oh simon blake obe so um basically we've we, we've had the covid and now we've got the cost of living crisis um and so we have basically a mental health emergency mm -hmm. and uh mental health uh, first aid england is calling on the government to act now uh, and they're launching a brand new co course so um so we've got lots of things to ask him. Should we welcome him on? Simon, are you there? Um, indeed, Simon Bloke is in the house. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have you ever been called that before? I haven't, but I have. Um, uh, I was always called Blakey at school, which could sometimes people would think I was called Blokey. <laughs> and I was like, you know, Cornish version of Blake could be Blake, I, I guess. I love it. But, uh, Simon yeah. Blake. 
Simon, you've got an OBE and you're a CEO from the MHFA. You've got a lot of letters. <laughs> That's a lot of letters, mate. <laughs> it is a lot of letters, but, uh, you know, MHFA rolls off your tongue after it a while. Does, it does. Oh, yeah. So I'm just thinking of Blakey. I'm just thinking of On the Buses. Is that, was that what it was from? Do you remember that that, that character, On the Buses? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I don't remember it. But it was, um, so in my school, there were three Simons in my class. And right. then at uni, um, I lived uh, with another Simon. So, yeah, we, we just ended up having to distinguish. Uh, oh, anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not- enough, enough of that. <laughs> enough of that so so tell us about um mental health first aid england uh when was it set up and 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 yeah what, what what's the sort of history behind it do you know much about that yeah absolutely but before i do can i just say um it was really uh, a pleasure just listening to the two of you chatting away you know we know that too often people don't feel confident or comfortable chatting even to their mates in private so the two of you having that conversation on there is just great and uh you know we're really I think it gives gives comfort to people that yeah we all have there might be big things going on in the world but there's also big things going on in our lives as well um, so thank you um, oh, for that. Thank you. Um, oh. So mental health first aid England is a social enterprise. It was set up in England in 2007, and at the time it's yeah it was around mental health first aid um, uh, yeah on its own and mental health first aid as a concept was developed in Australia. Um, in 2000, uh, and really was about trying to help people to have conversations about mental health, understand a bit about mental illness, about stigma, about having good conversations, and about signposting people to help and support. And so, first of all, um, in England, it was a government programme, and then uh, government uh, supported it um, rolling off, I don't think that's the right official term, but becoming a separate entity, becoming a social enterprise. So we've been um, going for about 15 years and our mission is to train one in 10 of the adult population. And the reason for that is we think that that's where you will try, we'll get that tipping point where we'll have a more open culture where everybody will be able to talk like the two of you were at the beginning and we'll be able to create that culture of help and support, which we know that everybody needs uh, at some point in time. Our focus is primarily around workplaces because we know that most adults work. And so if we can uh, support people in their workplace, and of course our workplace is often our homes um, now as we work much more flexibly, then it will also ripple out into the family um, and communities that we work in um, as well. So yeah, that's a potted potted history. Does that give you enough as a starter for 10? Yeah, I, oh, I didn't. I didn't realise it was uh, first um, set up in Australia. Um, but but what is it? Um, so because I, because I've done the course, Tommy's done the course. We both, you know, we both paid for it ourselves. I know normally it's like a um, the company will pay for one of their employees to go there. I mean, is there like a sort of charitable arm? You know, that that people can individuals can go and do it or what does it have to be a sort of fr- via like a work thing or self-paid or that sort of thing 
Yeah, so at the moment, it's um, yeah, via work or, or self-paid. And there are a lot of public courses where individuals can uh, access that. And you can find that on mhfaengland.org. Now, as a social enterprise, uh, all of our, any money that we make gets reinvested in our mission. Uh, but as you will um, know, and most people listening will know, um, the last few years haven't been the best money-making years. And so we're not in a period where we are able to subsidise. But ordinarily, um, we we do have particular uh, targets around subsidising. And, and, and we are doing a, a, a bit at the moment where we're doing some uh, subsidising for NHS workers, given the absolutely critical role that NHS has played over the last couple of years. Um, and we're also doing some fully subsidised um, training with black-led organisations, again, um, recognising the uh, the impact of, of, of the sort of global understanding of, of race equity and inequity and racism and its impact on mental health. So we've got limited subsidies at the moment. That's where they are. But, uh, yeah, as hopefully we start moving perhaps into, into calmer times, uh, yeah, some of that will change and develop as we move through. But it isn't expensive, I think, is, is the thing that I would say. Well, actually, let's put that in perspective. It isn't, it isn't outrageously expensive. And, and obviously, we know that money is, is tight um, for lots, um, lots of families. But it's worth looking on the website and seeing, because in some areas, some of our instructor members have got funding or citizen, um, uh, citizen's advice or, or um, local mind might be able to provide it free of charge. So yeah. the model that we work with means that it's not always absolutely this is this and this is this because we work with lots of different partners and there might be some opportunities to to, to access it in different ways yeah. i think you know i think you've um you've hit that right on the head it's not expensive i think it's not expensive for actually the content and everything that you guys provide because like you said we've sat on the course and information that we received from it i thought was absolutely fantastic and it's really helped not just myself and colleagues but I've actually shared a lot of the information with some of the students and that I've worked with out here. So it's it's really good course and the way that you sort of package it is amazing. Um, mm. But just quickly, for those of you that, for the people that have not actually done the course, what can people expect if they do sit on your course of the day? Like what sort of, you know, what yeah. topics will you cover? What can they expect to learn and walk away with? Absolutely. So we've just updated the course. Uh, so unless you did it yesterday and the day before, it will be slightly different than the one that you uh, that you did. Um, but the main bits of the content uh, are exactly the same. So it's really about helping people to develop knowledge and skills um, to spot the signs um, of somebody experiencing poor mental health. But it's also understanding about stigma. It's also understanding about what we can do to look after ourselves, our own self-care, looking after our brain so it can look after us, and also how to really start a conversation and signpost appropriate support. It's a two-day course. You know, this isn't about training psychologists. It's not about training psychotherapists or psychiatrists. It's about us developing the confidence to have good quality conversations, to spot the signs, and to really um, be able to um, access, uh, to signpost people to other forms of support. And the bit which I'm really excited about in this is that the new course also has with it um, access to an app uh, which provides you with, you know, you'll remember the algae card that you had, yes. which gave you the how to have good conversation. So that's on an app with some videos, 
um, and some content and also access for mental health first aiders through to other forms of support and a direct line into um, the Samaritans if it's somebody that needs um, that help. Um, and you will uh, get information about how to access that um, in the next couple of months as well, because we want that to be something which everybody who's gone through um, the training uh, uh, decides to opt into. So we'll look out for that. But, but really, it's about this is evident, you know, it's evidence based. Um, it, all of the, the evidence shows that it helps people to improve the quality of their conversations. It improves our mental health literacy so we can look after um, ourselves. Um, and uh, that you know, it's really about um, just changing the way that we think about how we ask for help and, and give help. And one of the things which I'm really, I'd be really interested in your views on, um, but we often emphasize asking for help. And when we need help most, you know, just before crisis point, you know, is often when we want to ask for it least. And so I'm really keen that we also recognize that this is about us checking in with other people and um, recognizing that there might be things going on behind the smile, you know, understanding that when people go through difficult circumstances, whether those are national issues like the cost of living crisis or bereavement, separation, transition in whatever way, shape or form, those are moments where we can lean in. We don't have to wait for somebody to say, um, I need help. We can go in and say, I'm going to take your kids to school today. I know you've got a hospital appointment or, mm. yeah, I know that you've been out all day, you've been working hard, you decide you're going to work Sunday, going to make, yeah, here's a, here's a meal. <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of things that we can do, which, which just makes life that little bit easier and creates a moment of joy and care, um, which, which feels like the right way to go to me. It's weird, isn't it? Because I remember I, 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 cause I've done lots of different, jobs over the years and that um i sort of work freelance now but um i was part of a team about 20 years ago that um there was someone had some time off for stress and because it was like it's almost like a building site you know the mentality was like you know people were going oh god he's a bit cuckoo you know and people were, when it, when they came back rather than saying saying how they are you know people were just treating him differently and, and it was just very very sort of toxic you know and um it's it's so true that we you know because we spend a third of our lives like you say at, at work um and it's very important that, that that and it's also when we're when we're, we're most sort of um outward facing isn't it a lot of the time you know our families are our families and our friends are our friends and you know whatever but it's when we're most at, you know probably at our, at our most sort of vulnerable really isn't it you know is that is that is that why you sort of target the workspace really with your course or i mean i suppose you could you could do it in in you could i suppose you could target families you could take it to sort of like i don't know schools or something couldn't you i don't know um, i mean i think the key bit in in there is it goes everywhere you know we need we need to have this sort of um these skills in every aspect of our of our lives you know from the the school gate through to you know our working lives through to you know uh, yeah, anything that goes on. Um, the reason that we we focus on the workplace is absolutely, as you as you say, it's where we spend a huge amount of our time. Yeah, and remember that work done well should be good for us. You know, I've been incredibly lucky that most of my working life, work has added to my 
overall sense of well-being. Yes, there have been rubbish days and rubbish weeks and moments that I sat up and you know and cried into my hands because I'm too tired and all those sorts of things. But generally, you know, work has created net positive. But work can also really, really create huge amounts of stress and lead into lots of other areas of our lives. So it is important that we recognise that context of work and Deloitte uh, uh, do a mental health um, at work report on a three-year-ly three cycle. And the latest one shows that um, mental health costs work UK businesses, poor mental health costs UK businesses, £56 billion a year. That's up from £46 billion three years ago. Mm. So there's lots of reasons why we should focus on the work. But also just from a very practical basis, um, it's an easy access point. Yeah, when you're a kid, most of us are at school. When you're an adult, most of us are at work in some way, shape or, or form. And I know there's lots of variations and lots of exceptions to that. But um, And so it's a, it's a good point to be able to, to say it. So then it has the positive impact on work. And you know, we take those skills home because being a mental health first aider is one thing that you can do with the course. Having the skills to use in your everyday life is the other thing mm -hmm. that you can do with the course. And what we also find is that, yeah, and this is true with lots of mental health courses, but you, you get a fire in your belly. You realise that there is something in this which, which can change the way that we live our lives. It can change the way that we do things, the way we interact with ourselves and with each other. Uh, and, and so it creates that sort of fire in your belly where you want to do things differently. And you, know, you may not use those words, but my guess is that's a bit about why you're doing this podcast. You want to open up conversations because you believe that there are things which people should, could hopefully be talking about, which if they do talk about it, could enhance their lives. And that's what we find happens when people do the course and they take that into their personal lives and take that into their working lives as well. Love it. 100% agree because after I finished the course, I'd wish that I'd known about it, you know, earlier i wish i'd known it would save me a lot of a lot a lot of heartache i think but um because i was working so hard that's where i guess the trigger point for you know the biggest burnout i ever suffered and it sort of completely derailed me but since i did the course the things i learned on the course and obviously through doing this podcast as well i've used it and i've shared it with other people not just work colleagues and stuff like that so, yeah, it's amazing what you said. I completely agree. And it leads us on perfectly to a question that we've got. So um, do you have any good tips for workplace culture when it comes to mental health? What, what would be some great tips just that you could share with us? So I think the most important thing is that you work to build a positive culture and a positive culture which is one where individuals, whoever they are, whoever we are, can, can thrive, that we have a sense of belonging, that we believe we're valued, we're respected, and that our skills are an important part of, of the business. That within that, you also have a job which is designed well, one that you can do you know, within the time that you've got, that you have the tools to do, that you are clear about the purpose of what you're doing, and, and, and that you have good relationships within the work uh, context um, as well. So, yeah, that connection to purpose, the ability to do your job, and the relationships which provide a supportive environment, but also a fun environment. And I really, really want to emphasize, you know, that 
fun should be part of the uh, repertoire. <laughs> you know, fun should be something that we do associate with with work, and 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 sometimes we forget that. So, yeah, relationships where we can have fun and that we get that sense of value and and purpose um, as we as we go through work. Line managers play an absolutely vital role. Yeah, we. I'm sure you have both had brilliant managers and not so brilliant managers, which you know, might be on a, anywhere on a scale in that not so brilliant space. Um, and they make an absolute difference. And, and that manager needs to know who you are, know what makes you tick, know what's going on and be able to talk to you honestly about your work, what's going well, what isn't going so well, about your well-being and, and what we can do within, within that environment. And then there need to be other forms of support as well. And we would you know, include mental health first aiders within that, but also your employee assistance program. So I think there isn't any one thing. And the really important bit of it is that lots of it is really good HR practice. Yeah, we, we might put it under a mental health umbrella in the context of this conversation, a well-being umbrella. But actually, yeah, as we move from HR to people teams. That was very much about recognizing people are your best resource. And 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 yeah, work can do things to help people to keep well, but also to provide support for people who are experiencing mental distress, who are experiencing mental illness, who live you know, with long-term mental illnesses to make sure everybody can achieve um keep well and, and thrive in the workplace. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm- I'm very interested, um, just as a side thing, what's, how did you sort of get into it yourself? And, and I mean, have you had any sort of um, mental health sort of uh, issues in, in, in your own life? I mean, as we're being honest and, and open and men talking, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so how did I get here? I mean, um, my life has, my career life, I was going to say my life, I don't think my whole life's been an accident. My career <laughs> path has been an accident. <laughs> I mean, my mum is now dead, so I can't ask her if my whole life was an accident, <laughs> but I don't think that it was. As far as I know, I was the planned second child. Um, but uh, I went to university and did a psychology um, degree, and I fell in love um, and you know, chased around and fell out of love and ended up uh, back in Cardiff, um, working um, in a bar, looking for um, for work uh, in, as a gap year in order to try and go back then to be an educational psychologist. I then got a job running a sex education project for young men in the South Wales Valleys, um, which was one of the first in the UK at the time. And so I became an expert because nobody else could tell me that it wasn't I wasn't <laughs> right because there wasn't much else that was there. And that led to a 21-year career in uh, sexual health, sex education. I did some personal social health education, which had a bit of mental health in it, a bit of drugs, alcohol, did childhood bereavement, you know, lots of different bits. And wow. then in 2015, um, I was uh, appointed as chief exec of the National Union of Students, and I was there until four years ago. And four years ago this week or next week, I got this job at MHFA England. So... I came here with a sort of a, a, a experience as a chief exec with some experience of well-being and mental health rather than an expert in mental health who became a chief exec. Mm-hmm. And have I, why am I so interested in it? So of all of those things which um, I talked about, whether that was 
you know, children living with HIV, whether it was childhood bereavement, whether it was drug education, sex education, sexual health, sexual abuse, all of it comes back to our well-being, our sense of who we are as humans and, and our mental health um, and, our, and our well-being. Um, and so that's why I'm passionate about it, because I think if we could all learn a bit more about our brains and how they work and what we can do to look after them, particularly in a context of digital, uh, of the digital age, if that's the right terminology um, yeah. that we're living in, where our brains are wired to respond to stimuli. And digital means our WhatsApp's coming in, our emails coming in, our Twitter's coming in, etc. Our brains go, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And it's putting us on edge. So I think we just need to understand a bit more in order to do the best we can. And that's true whether we um, have a diagnosed mental illness or, or whether mental health, that we can do things to keep well. But of course, there will be different individual circumstances where people might need medication, they might need other treatment and care um, as well. Mm. Have I ever had um, a personal experience of, of poor mental health? I'm, I don't have a diagnosed um, mental health uh, condition or illness, um, but I've had some moments um, in my life which have been incredibly difficult. My brother uh, died very quickly when he was 45 of heart failure. Um, one day he was alive, 10 days later we were sat um, having uh, to turn off the machines, um, which was yeah, really, really uh, painful. And it was it was a dark sort of six, nine months afterwards, um, which uh, you know, took a lot of energy to to walk through. Um, and of course, like everyone else, I've had my fair share of breakups and, and heartache and, uh, and and difficult moments, uh, you know, in, in family and, and all of those sorts of things at work and um, and in personal lives. Um, so I've, um, you know, I don't say for one minute that I haven't been incredibly uh, privileged. Of course, um, you know, I, 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 I have been. Um, but like every human being that gets to 50 in a year or so, um, and anybody who gets to 50 that hasn't had some difficult moments has been even more privileged than I. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm def we're definitely not saying that um, any you know, anyone has to have had some sort of mental health uh, diagnosed problem or anything like that. I mean, the, the world is crazy enough as it is. And anyone that, you know, I always say everyone should go and see a therapist, even if they they think they're completely fine, you know, just because um, it it'll just, just helps having someone listen to you, you know, for an hour. Um, but um, it's interesting, just, just another side thing. How, how did you, um, what was it, what did you find the best thing, because we, you know, to, to cope through your the worst times, if, you know, what was what, what really helped for you? Yeah, sure. Um, can I just before I answer that, Andy, can I just say it was really interesting that you said the world is crazy enough as it is. And one of the things which um, uh, is is really interesting is if I set you to a challenge now after this podcast, right. we like a challenge. We like a challenge. Let's go. Think about, read, look, listen to yourself and to other people and how many times they say, you know, that's mad, that's crazy, that's insane. Um, and, and think then about somebody who's thinking about wanting to get help and what that says to them. And we talk about stigma quite a lot and our language, which we've all grown up with and we've all learned and it's all part of just how we are, yeah. um, can reinforce that stigma. And our challenge for all of us is to catch ourselves in those moments um, and, and to go, 
actually it's wild it's frustrating it's outrageous it's disgusting it's 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 all whatever yeah my like my, my vocabulary failed me then as i went for the fifth word you did good it's one of those things but what it isn't is crazy or mad so just i challenge you i'll be really interested to yeah maybe in your intro in another podcast to reflect back on that challenge and and, and encourage others to do it as well that's yeah that's but that's uh that's real food for thought actually um maybe i should maybe i should have used a different word um i mean i suppose it was in the context of um talking about mental health i don't know but yes you're yeah just have a think just have a think i will have a think it's it's that bit isn't it of of what is it that's that's subvert um that we don't that's not conscious mm. that yeah. we might need to bring into our conscious mind but the things which i mean I think the things which kept me walking um, through you know, that that period after Andrew died, um, you know, just be, being willing to actually sit um, and accept that I was really, really, really miserable, that I was broken, uh, that I also uh, felt that I was incredibly responsible for his children uh, for, and for making sure that I kept that sort of oomph, even though they yeah the oldest one was was in their um 20s but also my mum and dad you know to see the heartache and pain uh, that they went through and mine felt secondary to that uh, so that was a really important driver but once i you know stopped trying to be the martyr and 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 the guy on the on the white horse uh was also the bit where somebody just said so i'm just each morning when you wake up just think about three things you're grateful for. And if you can't think of three, just think of one. Um, and it doesn't have to be big. You know, it might just be the fact that you've got some peanut butter in your jar and you're going to spread it on some toast. Mm. And, and gradually, you know, that muscle which can develop about developing that positive sense, you know, helped to just move, move forward. Um, and, yeah, a bit, uh, yeah, going like you guys, you know, I'm, I'm lucky, I guess, in that I've grown up believing that you should have conversations when you're hurting um and and i i ran a lot i have a dog and i um and i also have a, have a horse and i spent a lot of time i mean the, the horse that i had at the time uh is is now dead as well but had she been able to speak words you know that it none of it would have been rational but i did just talk and talk and talk to her about everything that was that was going on because i didn't need anybody to give me any response yeah, I think that's the, I guess, a, as a lesson into humans, the reason that I spoke to her and to the dog, to Dolly the dog so much, was because they just listened. <laughs> they just let you cry into their neck. They didn't try to say, it's not so bad, think about your mum. They didn't try to say, I know it's awful, but think about the time that this happened to me. Mm. Um, all the things which we do sometimes to make it try to feel better. It's like, uh, it's like like a good therapist, really, because I, I remember when I first had sort of therapy. The uh, um, I sat down and I thought, uh, after the first session, I thought I might want to try and get my money back because they, you know, I expected them to sit down <laughs> and tell me all the answers and say, well, you need to do this and this, but they just uh, sat there and nodded their head and then gave me a few prompts here and there, mm. and and then you realise that that's actually what you need. You need someone to listen, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think, yeah, and, and, and yes, yeah, other people um, you know, might need uh, therapy in those moments. You know, other people um, may well find themselves you know, needing antidepressants or, or 
you know, needing time off work or, or whatever it is. We each have a individual response to, to those situations. But I guess just to go back to the key bit, which is that we, we, we cannot do these things alone. You know, they, we are all interdependent and that that's really a really important part of you know, human survival and social, you know, social connection helps to keep us together. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what? I, I, I never get bored of this podcast because we always are learning. We're always learning. The, this conversation has reminded me about um, when we learned about not to say uh, commit suicide and we had to yeah. sort of reprogram and re-educate ourselves. So what you said about how, you know, we used terms like crazy and stuff like that is definitely food for thought. And I'm well up for this challenge. And also, I love what you say about gratitude because we're really big on that on this podcast, well, aren't we, Andy? We, we're yeah, keen on the yeah. and animals as well. Like I was saying, how like Tank is the best therapy dog ever. He's brilliant. He doesn't even know it, but he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. But listen, I often let's, sit and, uh, yeah, let's bring I, it back. Let's bring it back to um, we've obviously we've had the um, we've had COVID, and now we're moving into the cost of living crisis. Before we yeah. sort of talk more about that, because I do want to get into that, are you finding, obviously, what's it like out there? Are things getting worse? Are people, are more people turning to you for like, you know, the, to come on the courses? Or is there more demand? What's the situation like at the moment, the current situation? So that we know that there is more demand for services. We know there's more demand for support. We've certainly got high demand for training. There's higher levels than ever awareness of the need to understand uh, about mental health. Um, and of course, you know, even if you don't have anything else going on in your lives, the last couple of years have seen COVID, uh, a, a war in uh, Ukraine, uh, everything that we know about climate change and, and, and the impact of, of the environment, which we're seeing you know, being played out, things like sewage in beaches and, and all of those sorts of things. Um, and now we've got cost of living crisis mm. and we've also got the um you know, the greater understanding of the impact of of racial inequality and racism so that's without people you know getting ill that's without people or, or having a long-term illness you know, getting cancer that's without people that experiencing bereavement or job losses etc you know, so it is absolutely understandable and a reasonable response to what's going on for people to feel anxious to experience mental distress um, and for there to be you know, greater, greater concern uh, uh, and, and worry and, and poor mental health. So I think that's probably the most important thing to, to say here. We talk about a, a mental health epidemic and the Centre for Mental Health has estimated that there'll be 10 million more people who will need mental health support as a direct result of the pandemic. And you know, that's that's huge. But what we also know is that We've learned a lot more about how to have conversations about uh, mental health. You know, I, I don't know about you, but my experience was there were a lot more people talking about their own mental health and checking on each other's um, throughout that time. The danger that we know from workplaces is there was a bit of a peak where everyone was worried about people's well-being. And that actually over the last year, some of those uh, check-ins, some of those uh, well-being uh, checks and those interventions have slowed down or stopped completely. Mm. And you know, my hope, looking for the silver lining all the way through the pandemic, was that we wouldn't look back, you know, that we would have 
created those those ways of being. We did develop the muscle memory, which would say it was great when we were checking in with each other, wasn't it? We learned this, this, and this, and it helped us do X, Y, and Z. Mm. Um, but it seems we might have lost some of that, and we absolutely mustn't, because as you say, we're now looking face into another another really difficult period where you know, an enormous, enormous number of people are going to really, really, really struggle. Yeah. Um, we've got a few more, I think, important questions. Um, so we're going to get through these in 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 the time. Um, so, um, if your work doesn't have uh, anything in place for mental well-being, what what can like an individual do? Speak to the employer, speak to you to contact the employer. I think the the key thing to do if people are want it believing that there is nothing happening is to go and and talk either to their manager or to the people uh, lead and say um can i just find out what support there is what i should be able to expect i think sometimes we don't know what there is because we haven't asked mm -hmm. and uh, or we haven't tried it so you know employee assistance programs uh you know for example which provide Many of them will provide six sessions of counselling. Many of them will provide support for families. Many of them have got particular mental health support. And people don't know because so often we only access help or find out about it when we need it. It's not something that we've all got you know, stuck in our wallet with, with numbers. Yeah, that's one of the things that could change. But the first step would be talk to somebody you trust within the business and be curious. Uh, don't assume that there isn't anything there. Try to Try to find out. And if it, there isn't, ask ask why. Ask what could be done. Just engaging in conversation and and, and try to take you know steps that way. Um, Mental First Aid England has got some free resources on the um, website, and perhaps we could link um, some of them into your the notes for this show. But a, a My Health Self MOT, which is questions that we can ask ourselves on a, a regular basis. You know, I one of the things that I really learned. Um, was that my brain's always told me when things are, are good or not so good or, or whatever, but I haven't always been attuned enough to listen. And so the MOT helps us to do that on a regular basis. And there's some other resources as well. So we'll send you those. But yeah, organizations, lots of different organizations have got lots of different specialties and bits of information which can help uh, employers and employees to start thinking about what might be available on the internet, what links into sources of support there might be um, available but equally um, people should be trained line managers should be trained we would say you know mental health first aiders are a really important part of a whole organization approach um, and 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 so often um, mental health like other areas whether that's around um, employee resource groups a women's group a group for black people and people of color or for lgbt plus communities came from the staff you know, lots of the things which are, uh, are are about providing support do come from staff so be willing to to step in and, and try to make things happen yeah so funny you mentioned um employers or, or, or leaders because that's what I was, I was going to ask next is, is what they can do uh, to make their workplace feel less stressed and i guess is uh, you know get them on mental you would say get them on a mental health um first aid training course or something like that but what what in general would you would advice you would you give it like a leader or an employer to sort of make the workplace culture less stressful yeah 
So, Andy, I would really uh, not say go on the training course as a way of to make it less stressful. What I would be saying would be think about job design. You know, is it a job that is reasonable for people to be able to do? Do they have the tools to be able to do it? Do they have the relationships and the networks to be able to succeed? How are you setting people up for success? You know, just to go right back to uh, a bit earlier, you know, if we get work organised well, it should be net positive. And, and, and if there are, you know, if there are things which repeatedly um, uh, are causing stress, can we remove them? So I used to um, work in a, in a service provider and we used to give people 10 minutes for setup and it repeatedly took people between 13 and 15. Um, and, and that caused um, a, a, a sense of, of um, I won't say grief, but that's not the right word. People didn't, you know, on an ongoing basis, that wasn't right. You know, it didn't feel just. And so we increased it to 15 minutes and it removed the stress. It wasn't the fact that it took 13 minutes. It was the fact that we allocated 10 minutes. And so, you know, try to get to the root cause of the problem and remove it where you can. And if you can't remove it, and we we're having this conversation with some people last week, you know, if there is always going to be something which does cause stress, what is it about our mindset that we can shift and change in order to enable us to not get wound up by it? What can we choose? How can we choose to think um, uh, about it. And you know, if you think about some people in customer facing roles who get angry customers, yeah, they will be choosing to not respond, choosing to not allow that to get to them, I hope, because otherwise it would be um, too much. Um, and if those roles, you know, if, they, if roles on an ongoing basis are not addressing that, or it doesn't feel like it's the right place for us, when we have options and we, you know, we, we, we often have more choices than we think we do, you know, Think about, are there other places that we might be wanting to spend so much of our time on, at, at work? Good. And do you know what? I, um, you just reminded me when I was working in London, I was working in hospitality, and my goodness, the stress levels in that job. I, I Every day I still feel grateful that I'm not back there. I'm not back there. Yeah. Um, well, I do want to ask you about the cost of living crisis, what we can do as individually. But before we get into that thing, what um we you know quite often with mental health we speak about the governments and what they're doing or the lack of what they're doing but what would you say the government needs to do to help alleviate this mental health pandemic that we're going through so i think there are there are a number of things aren't there one is to make sure that the services and support is available but that's at the at the wrong end mm. <laughs> yeah the yeah that, that all needs to be there because people will need support whatever happens but actually, there are a number of people who wouldn't need that support if there were some of the other issues sorted. Now, a group of mental health organisations, um, including MHFA England, just before uh, Liz Truss became Prime Minister, wrote an open letter which was about addressing the cost of living crisis. We know that financial well-being has a really, really big impact on people. People who are in debt. Uh, uh, it, it can impact on their uh, well-being, can uh, really, really uh, uh, cause people to make uh, uh, have to make difficult decisions, um, and, and of course, in in the worst case scenario, lead to, to suicide. The so those things, and and I, yeah, I don't profess to be clever enough about all of things, but things like the energy cap, things like yeah, tax uh, cuts, and where they fall, and all of those sorts of things, are the things which are absolutely um, choices which can be made in order to support people's. Um, uh, uh, mental health and well-being and I 
for one would be saying we need to be looking at all those things which you know to, to use a, as a term in public health you know, the upstream things you know there's no point sitting up down the river going oh look there's smashed canoes coming out you go up river to find out why the canoes are smashing in the first place and and that's where um, I believe we need to really, really uh, take action. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so, of, yeah, do you know what? So, the, I I don't want to get too political on this one <laughs> because I'll end up going on a rant. But so, what what advice or what can we do for individuals who are really feeling the pinch? Like, um, I go to shop now, and a, a carton of my oats milk has gone up from like two euros something to like three euros forty. So you know the pinch is there, and like you know we constantly hear in the news about how people are feeling it. What are what you know what ways can people go about without making? I mean, it's hard to make cutbacks, and obviously you can't get, I guess, you know, big big energy companies to cut their prices. So what can they do? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, I'm asking you to fix the world, aren't I? Really? It's, it's, really it's, it's, yeah. Right. It's, it, we're recording this on Friday afternoon, listeners. This one is is unfair. I mean, I, I I honestly think that you know we have to be careful not to pretend that people can do things that they yeah. can't. If there isn't enough money, there isn't enough money. But there are also things which uh, sometimes um, we do take as things which we have to have which we may not have to have and i and i'm not gonna make any sort of judgments um on on those but i know yeah there have been various points in 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 my life certainly where i've had to go that is no longer something that i can do yeah, yeah. this is something that i can no longer do and 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 to to do that and and i've been lucky yeah i've had choices to be able to do that so I think there's a realistic assessment in here, which is, you know, are there some things on the must-have, must-do list that are not? But let that not um, uh, shroud the fact that if there isn't enough money, there isn't enough money. And it really, really gets my goat when people talk about, you know, cutting back on your avocados and Costa Coffee, when lots of people would absolutely, you know, not be in a position where they can have the avocado or the Costa mm. Coffee or, you know, and that certainly isn't the thing which has, has meant that there, there isn't enough money um, in the first place. So, yeah, it's, it's that realistic assessment, but also not ever allowing ourselves to shy away from the fact that if there isn't enough, there just isn't enough. And, and, and that can be for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Thank you. Yeah, I've just, I've just, I've just cancelled my subscription to <laughs> Luxury Yachts Weekly. Um, that's that's my little bit that I've done. We were a rubber <laughs> dinghy, mate, about luxury yachts flying for everybody. Um, so that I think we've sort of fifty five minutes uh, in, so we're coming right to the end now. I've got a really um, pertinent question to ask you. So, having just turned fifty myself, how are you coping with uh, the big five zero coming up, and how are you feeling about that? <laughs> you know i don't quite know yet so it's january the 28th 2024 if anyone wants to get me a card oh, okay. um, oh so you still got you're not even 49 yet <laughs> well 15 months 15 months okay. so i did say just over a year i think okay. i don't think i misled you earlier i don't think i did but if i did i apologize the um, so and my partner's just turned 50 and it was a really 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 big deal for him but it doesn't feel like a big deal for me yet. Shall I tell you when did feel like a big Go deal? On. When I turned 25. 
And the reason that that felt like a big deal was because I thought I was going to be married. I thought I'd have a house. I thought I'd have the job that I wanted because 25 had felt so old. But I think ever since then, I've just realized that I'm never going to feel old. I'm never going to get to where I want to go. So right now I feel fairly relaxed about it. But who knows? Who knows? And 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 there's also something, isn't there, about we I, I'm all for marking these moments in time and 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 accepting that it's changing. Yeah, you know, I don't want to go out and do some of the things that I definitely wanted to go and do. So I don't mourn that sort of um stuff. But I hmm. I, I guess I do have an acute awareness that that there's probably less working life in front of me than there is behind me. Yeah. There's you know, less jumping off things <laughs> in front of me than there was <laughs> behind me. Yeah, and, 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 and that comes with all sorts of pros and cons, I guess. Yeah. 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 For me, that's that's definitely a good thing. I'm one of the clumsiest people on earth. But um, <laughs> but there you go. Um well, that's that's been that's been a real education. I, I'm I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm definitely going to think about the, the times I use the the phrases uh, crazy and wild uh, a bit a bit more. Yeah, I mean I do. Yeah, that's 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 um, that's something I've not really thought. I mean I don't like to call, but I never call someone crazy that I was I thought would be suffering from mental health problems. I wouldn't say, oh, that guy's crazy. But to not even use the word to describe anything, I guess. I guess you're right. I guess, yeah. I guess, Andy, the point is, if you think about it, you never know who's what's going on behind a smile. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we can't pick and choose when we think it might be okay and when it might not. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's the bit which it was really, yeah, it's, it's just, I think it's really interesting. If you talk to, 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 to people who've experienced prejudice or discrimination around all sorts yeah. of things, yeah, how many times they've sat in a room and known that there hasn't been intentional bad feeling, but it has created um, pain. And, yeah. and, and, and if we can just remove that, yeah. just like, that, that's the bit which is, is for me, because intent doesn't, attempt in, a, a good intention doesn't absolve ourselves of responsibility no. for its impact. For sure. For I sure. love it. I love it. Man, that was good. Thank you very much, Simon Blake. Sorry. Yes, Blake, not bloke. Simon Blake. <laughs> well, correct yourself and call me Simon oh, Blake. Go on. Thank that would you, be Simon again. Bloke. O-B-E-C-E-O-M-H-F-A. Superstar. You're amazing. It's good. It's a men's mental health podcast. So to have someone called Bloke on it is it's perfect, isn't it? It's perfect. <laughs> is it Deed Poll you have to go to to change your name? Or was that just something we used to say? <laughs> no, it's real, that's real life. It's real life. <laughs> I'm getting on to them. I reckon they close at four, so we've got a bit of time. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, that's it then. Well, thanks, thanks for coming in. And um, that's been a real education for, for all of us. Um, I hope that's helped you. Um, do there will be some links um, on the posts for this on how you can get involved just very quickly what's the best things if someone wants to do a course what's the best thing for them to do go to go onto our website which is mhfaengland.org and I would just say when you do it, the mhfa just say in your mind mental health first aid it took me at least a year to not get it from m the wrong way round. I'm not going to put the wrong way round in your head. But mhfaengland.org, and there's lots of information available on that. Fact. 
Fantastic. Oh, look at us. We're so in sync, Andy. We both said fantastic at the same time. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> amazing, amazing. All right, well, so we're nearly at an hour. So uh, that's it. Goodbye, everyone. We'll speak to you next Goodbye. time. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. Thank you.